You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Tox Arotere. This is episode 25. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast, where we believe you can write the script for your life and follow it. Episode 25 is evidence-based living, how the concept of alignment can create successful results. Hey, episode 25, people, did you hear that? Did you hear the number 25? Thank you for sticking with me. I'm in such a happy place for so many reasons. The fact that we've got to 25, the fact that I have my beloved MacBook back and so the sound is notably better than it was in 24 and 23. And also, I've got to recommend Farid of PC Home in Bromley, who is an Apple guru. He's trustworthy. He is professional. I've left his details in the show notes. If you ever need an Apple service, that's him. That's your guy. I also popped into Lakeside Thorock today and enjoyed a chicken and spinach lunch. <laughs> and just before you say, ooh, healthy, listen, I topped it up with a calorie-rich chocolate drink that had a generous helping of whipped cream, and it was dusted with chocolate powder. Because it's autumn, people. It is autumn. That's what we do. <laughs> How are you doing? What did you think of episode 24? Please talk to me. Tell me what you thought about it because we are carrying on in that same vein today. My friend Susie and I were talking about the lessons that 2020 has taught us so far because we still have three months or so to go. And she mentioned one of them, which is that she has not always accepted the truth about some people when they showed her who they were. One of our favorite quotes is by one of our favorite author poet, Maya Angelou. And it says, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. And this whole thing about not accepting who people say they are is also true for me. I wonder if it is the same with you. Because I think that our love for people, the people that are in our lives, tends to cloud our perception when they send out very strong signals, particularly about character traits that we don't agree with or that don't sit well with us. Somehow our love for them or our affection or whatever it is, we just kind of deny, no, that's not what I'm saying. The evidence is being given to us, but no, we're not accepting it. Our most downloaded episode so far is episode 12, which is Toxic Friendships. And in there, I share some of the friendships that I have had that happened to be toxic for me. They were uncomfortable, yet I tolerated them because I didn't trust that the evidence I was presented with was real. My emotion of love for them or affection or likability, whatever it was, did not align with their treatment of me and the emotion of embarrassment or smallness that I felt afterwards didn't align with who I wanted them to be. So instead of seeing them for who they were or seeing their behavior rather for what it was, 
I searched for signs that they were who I hoped they were. And so we are carrying on today on our very interesting topic on alignment. Years and years ago, I used to attend a church that turned out to be questionable. When it comes to spiritual matters, I'm very guarded because I understand that the spirit realm is an area that we don't have visibility of when compared to emotional and physical information. You know that it's time to put on an extra jumper or extra layer of clothing when it gets too cold for comfort. And we've all been burned when hastily tasting food that's too hot in my case. It's fried plantain, always fried plantain. Just stuff it into my mouth and I'm like, but I love it. And when it comes to emotions, we understand what it feels like to be particularly happy or really angry. And not only do we feel the emotion, our body even reacts to extreme emotions as well. You know that if you want to change how you feel, you simply change what your mind is feeding on. So we all agree on that, right? Now, the spirit, that's different. It's the least tangible part of us and doesn't operate in our time zone. It transcends the physical, it transcends the emotional. And as a rule, I can count on one hand the number of authors or speakers that I will risk falling asleep to because you can't control what you're feeding your mind with whilst you're asleep. So today we'll be talking about utilizing the principle of alignment for our benefit. If you listened to the previous episode, you'd recall that we talked about how our environment feeds us, whether we like it or not. So it's only wise to guard the space that you're in and make sure that you're mindful of the material you're listening to or the books you're reading and the people that you converse with. But when it comes to using the principle of alignment for our benefit, the whole idea is to populate your space with evidence that what you hope for is real. Now, the brain searches for evidence of danger when you are about to start out something new, something amazing, could be a new job, a new business, a new relationship. And what it's doing is looking for the physical to align with the emotion you're feeling. And in the case of starting afresh, it a lot of times it is fear. So your brain is looking around like, okay, I feel afraid that if I start this business, it might fail. So you start looking for evidence of failure. You're not necessarily consciously doing this, but it's happening nonetheless. When I was about to expand my business and grow from an online store into a physical location, it was a giant leap out of my comfort zone. I found myself constantly at the crossroads as my soul literally battled between two distinct emotions. One was excitement that I was finally doing what I'd planned on doing for five years. The second was fear that I was about to bite off more than I could chew and it will all end in tears. Listen, I would wake up every morning faced with 
these two emotions, sometimes one was louder than the other. And I had the opportunity to choose which one I would align with every single day. Sometimes, often actually, I didn't even choose. I sort of fell into one and the default was always fear. This is what aligning with fear looked like. It's Monday morning. My lawyer is doing the negotiations of the lease. They haven't come back to him (laughs) with my requirements and I'm relieved because it means that I will not be responsible if there is an insurmountable obstacle and we now have to abandon the whole project. I would be able to say it's not my fault. You know, the other side didn't come correct or whatever. Or it's Sunday and there's an older lady in church, a motherly figure. I walk up to her. She asks how I'm doing. And I tell her, I think I'll be opening a shop. That's wonderful talks. Where? And I kind of stutter in Chelsea. Congratulations. Well done. That's amazing. And then she gushes about it for a while. And then fear taps my shoulder. You heard her. She thinks it's amazing. Amazing is a euphemism for it's too much for you, Tokes. You really have crossed your boundary line this time. If I were you, I'll step back. And on and on my internal dialogue would go all day. By the end of the day, I'm just drained and weakened because I've been battered with all kinds of negative thoughts and corresponding evidence that what I feared was the truth. This is what happened when I chose excitement. Tuesday morning, I'm on the high street, the one where the shop will soon be positioned. I take in the designer brands that will become my neighbors. I see the way their stores are kitted out. I search for evidence that my new venture will work the way theirs is working. I go past a sock shop, (laughs) socks guys, and based on their location on our high street, I know their rent isn't cheap. Not that there's such a thing as cheap rent in London, but socks. How many pairs of socks will they need to sell before being able to pay their rent, their staff, their marketing, make a profit? I can't imagine, but here they are, they're doing it. If they can keep their doors open selling socks, (laughs) I certainly can do so selling furniture. And so I ignore the voice that's telling me that there's more that meets the eye because, you know, they have other branches. They might be a small piece in a larger company. Maybe they have investors. Maybe, just maybe, they're a cover-up for drugs. Well, guess what? Maybe that's true. But in that moment, I was searching for something, anything to align with my emotion of hope. And so I began to build my bank of evidence. One day I met up with an old friend, Fumi Suleiman. We hadn't seen each other in decades and she was here on holiday. 
So we met for lunch and she began to go on about how proud she was of me. And she had popped into my Westfield location and was so impressed. And she saw that we had so many branches and I'm getting more and more confused as time goes on. And then the penny drops. At that time, my location, air quotes, was a desk in the corner of my room. But this is what was happening. She was confusing my then business with another that had a similar sounding name. And we served the same market, so I could see why there was a confusion there. I had two options. One, (laughs) feel disappointed as I set the record straight while wondering if that level of success was even possible for me, and then getting more discouraged as I admitted that it wasn't. Or two, set her straight on the record and revel in the fact that somebody on planet Earth thought my success on that level was even remotely possible. I chose the second option, And in that moment, I put myself into that space of possibility. And I began to imagine that one day I will become that person. Now, I cannot overstate the desperate need we have to have people in our lives who speak life into us, who speak positive words of hope. And if you're lucky, if you're blessed, you'll have people who have bigger hopes for you than you can even have for yourself. Then you can borrow their confidence when you don't have it. In the business world today, there are signs all around us that will align with your fear. Read about the businesses that are closing down or listen to the news on the state of the economy or even just look at your bank balance. These are all physical bits of evidence that When aligned with fearful or discouraging thoughts, it becomes so believable that you take a corresponding action. So we have entrepreneurs who have never made that leap into entrepreneurship because even though we are presented with proof of both success and failure, out of habit and out of our brain's need to protect us, they end up aligning with failure. But I maintain that that's a choice. And like Mel Robbins' tool of counting backwards, you can develop tools to disrupt your brain's pathway of wanting to protect you all the time and keep you in the comfort zone. Okay, so no one knowingly chooses failure, but if you don't choose to succeed, you will fall into the safe default space which is an indifferent, passionless life. I think that it's even worse than failure because failure only happens when you make an effort, right? I mean, think of toddlers. They only fall when they try to walk or run. So if you are not failing and you are not succeeding, it means that you are not committed to anything in particular. And it follows that you cannot use this principle of alignment to your advantage because you will not recognize the thoughts long enough to find evidence to support or denounce it. This morning, I listened to a business podcast. The simple principle of increasing sales involves 
increasing the number of people that are exposed to your offering. It's like going from fishing with a rod to fishing with a large net. The rod will catch one fish at a time. The net will catch several, but it will also gather a large amount of stuff that's not fish, you know, weeds and empty cans, plastic bottles, crabs, prawns, shrimps, whatever. So the choice becomes, do you focus on the fish that you caught and get excited over it? Or is your attention drawn to the non-fish items that you don't want? Some of us business people focus on reducing the debris. And I have got my hand raised up right now. (laughs) And when you focus on the negative, you give all of your attention to that thing. I recall, and I'm pretty sure I shared this probably in episode three or four, how I had a competitor. I had a couple of runnings, well, not runnings per se, but I had some experiences with some competitors. And one of them had gone and copied pretty much my website. She'd copied my products, copied my descriptions, which I painstakingly wrote. Thank you very much. And she did that. And Going forward, I became so focused on competitors copying me that I gave all of my energy that should have been used to catching more fish. I gave it to getting rid of the debris and I didn't grow. I didn't grow when I should have been growing. I was focused on protecting what I already had, which meant that I wasn't gathering more. Now, let's agree that we are going to focus only on the possibility of success as it relates to alignment. Here are a few ways that you can do that. And I'm not suggesting that you ignore the danger that's around you or that you should be careless or you should leave your business open for competitors or sharks to take or attack. My point is that you should use the excitement and positive emotions to search for real life evidence that aligns with it. And this part requires that you make a choice as well as actively participate in it. There's a well-known Bible character who went from being a shepherd to Israel's king. I think he's their most famous king or best king, or can't remember exactly how he's described. But David was a young shepherd boy and the youngest of, I think, six or seven brothers. He was considered insignificant in his family, perhaps because of his age. It may have been as well that his brothers were go-getters. They were the Bill Gates of today, maybe. I don't know who the generals in the army, the Colin Powells and the rest of them uh, of today. They were in the military. They were tall. They were handsome. And they received all the attention. Anyway, while the brothers were at war, their father said to David, go check up on your siblings, take some refreshments to them. David gets there, realizes just how bad the situation is because Goliath, a seven foot giant, was threatening the Israelites and mocking their God. And people explain to him, someone explains to him, describes the giants in detail, describes the fearful situation. And this is the point many of us would say, you know what, this is above my pay grade. 
I better just drop their food and quietly go back to my sheep that I have been looking after. Because it must have been a sight to behold. You've got armies, you've got this giant, you've got a whole nation quaking with fear. But what David chose to do was recall the pictures of what he did when he came across bears and lions and had to fight fight them off from attacking his ship. And he fought these wild animals and he recalled those. And that was his evidence that he needed in that moment that he could kill Goliath. Now, when David got to him, he was faced with even more words that were designed as food for thought, poisonous food, mind you. But you know what he did? He then began to describe in vivid detail exactly how the fight was going to proceed and how it would end. He gave Goliath a clear picture of how he was going to feed the dead bodies of his soldiers to the birds and to the wild animals. And I've left the details and the link to the full story in the show notes. What David was doing by speaking and describing the future to Goliath was that he was aligning his thoughts of victory with words of victory. And at the same time, he was planting seeds of doubt and fear in Goliath's mind because the words we hear determine the thoughts we think and as a result, the decisions we make. And David killed Goliath. The end. (laughs) No armor, no weapons, just one stone and his slingshot. I want to leave you with three tips for evidence-based living. Number one, train your eyes to search for proof that will align with positive thoughts and your dreams. If you don't search, you will find evidence of failure because it's all around us. There is no way you can throw a net into a pond and, or a river and not come up with other stuff. So stop looking at the other stuff. And you do this by living in a space of gratitude. If you are listening to this podcast, it means you're alive. (laughs) Let's start with life. Life is a blessing. And blessing does not mean pleasant 100% of the time. Start and end your day with gratitude. The more grateful you are, the more you'll find things to be grateful for. Last year, I attended a women's retreat led by my dear friend Shade Ogundari of Eza Women. We were asked to wear a white top with blue jeans on one of the days and leading up to the trip, I saw white shirts everywhere because that's what was on my mind. If you fill your mind with thanksgiving, you'll see nothing else but more things to be thankful for. And it's even easier to take positive action when you are joyful as opposed to when you are heavy with worry. I know that worry paralyzes me. Worry, fear, anxiety, those things typically just get me seated on one spot and I can't move. And so when you're grateful, when you're thankful, it energizes you and it gets you to go from hoping or planning to do stuff to actually doing it. My second tip is to train your ears to hear words that align with your dreams. This means that you've got to talk to yourself regularly. Speak words of hope 
and life and encouragement and do so with love, which means don't belittle yourself. Don't talk down at yourself. I have a habit that I'm, I've been working on breaking, which is telling myself off when I do things that I don't align with what I'm thinking or what I should be doing. So train yourself to hear words and you do so by, again, speaking words of life. Affirmations are great, but pointless if you don't believe what you're saying. So find words that you trust. My go-to benchmark of words of life is the Bible. And I believe every word that's in there. And so there have been times that I have had to repeat certain verses that I didn't believe, but I repeated it until I believed it because I knew that it was true, but I struggled to align my emotions and my insides with it. And my third and final tip is to write out a day in your life doing exactly what you are working towards. For example, today is Friday, the 21st of June, 2023. I have just come home from the gym. I have a meeting with my staff as we prepare for our expansion into this new category or industry or whatever. Describe this day in the future in great detail the way David described Goliath's end to him. Now, what little step can you take from that description? For example, years ago, I wrote a day in my life, leaving my dream, in my dream home, of course, and it included me going downstairs and lighting a scented candle. And so my small thing was going out and buying a scented candle because I could afford to do that. I couldn't afford to do much more than that, but I could at least pick up a scented candle. And that in a way was like a breadcrumb trail toward my dream. This exercise is similar to a vision board, but even better because You don't do it and stick it on the wall and move on and forget about it, but you use your imagination regularly to travel into the future so that you can see a clear picture of where you're headed. This is something I do regularly. I don't just do it like once a month or anything like that. I do it a few times a month or if I'm able to manage it at least once, sometimes twice a week. The reason why I love and recommend this exercise is because you will start to recognize pieces of your dreams as you go about your day-to-day activity because the dream rarely shows up on one day. (laughs) People say, one day I'll be this or one day I'll have that or, you know, it doesn't happen in one day, it shows up as little components scattered over many days, but you wouldn't even recognize them or pick up those pieces to form the picture if you don't know what the complete picture should look like. One final word. It is easier to live in a place of apathy than to pursue our purpose. Purpose is perfection. It is God's perfect will. It is the reason you were created and it will bring you to a place of contentment and completion, but it isn't necessarily pleasant, at least not all the time. But our default setting is to stay in a place of neutrality or a place of safety, if you like, and you don't have to live by default. You can write your script, 
and you can follow it. I pray you have a productive week ahead and that this week you take another step in the direction of your dreams. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't and please tell one or two or three friends about it. Have an amazing day. Let's continue to live from the inside out. Talk to you soon.